Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 39 of the Backyard Banter Podcast. My name is Matt Harmon. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode. I'm really excited to talk to you all tonight, and I'm very excited because we've got a great guest tonight rocking the Led Zeppelin shirt on the other end of the uh, call right now. It's Bob Harris of Football Diehards, one of the longtime legends in the industry. Bob, how are you doing tonight? That's the nicest way anyone's called me old in days now. Um, I'm, doing, I'm doing good. Uh, uh, you know, realizing that the uh, hair and beard game is so strong that I'm taking the zero. I'm zigging when you're zagging with the zero uh, hair and beard approach. Well, you know, there's, there's different strategies. Uh, there's, no, there's no one way to win a league. There's no one way to present your face. Uh, so that's, right, exactly, uh, that's the way we're exactly. going here tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Well... Bob, you know, if if, if you know how the show goes, it's always right off the bat that I, uh, that I ask people, uh, you know, how did you come to fall in love with the game of football, with fantasy sports? Take us through the baby steps there of your journey. Uh, you know, back in the, I, you know, as a, as a kid, I was a a pretty avid reader and, uh, Xander Hollander's, uh, strange, but true football stories came by me and there were a series of books. So just, and the stories fascinated me. I mean, just absolutely fascinated me they were just kind of you know more anecdotal you know games that were lopsided uh, strange stories about different players uh, and things like that and I just I found myself getting wrapped up in them and, and you know and subsequent to that you know my dad was always a lifelong uh, subscriber to Sports Illustrated so I would run out to the mailbox ahead of him and grab that every day every week you know every Friday it would come and I would just devour it and I just I love the stories. I love the narrative. And, you know, then, you know, over time playing football played through, you know, little league, uh, Pop Warner, high school into college. And, and so, you know, loved playing the game, loved reading about the game and football pretty much dominated. Uh, wasn't that keen on the baseball and the other things like that. And it just, you know, just fell in love with football in general. Uh, well, love watching, you know, part of that is your dad, you know, you sit around on Sundays watching games with your dad. And I mean, that's just a, uh, Football is just something that seems like part of life. So it was so big a part of life that I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I would view life without it. I know it's funny. Once it really comes to dominate your existence, you have no idea what life would be like without it. You know, even in the off season, man. Like I, I feel that way. It's because we're constantly paying, especially you know us in the industry. We're constantly paying attention to it. It the NFL really has a way of of making sure you would you never ignore it. So Bob, uh, kind of. Taking another step there through your uh, through your journey in the in the football world, what what was the impetus to ever take the next step and kind of get into the business and and decide to cover the sport? Well, I think you know the first the first thing was starting to play the game. You know, in 1986, a friend of mine came back from San Diego to Tucson, where I lived, and uh, you guys, I got this thing. You are going to love it. And it was fantasy football, and we did love it. It was nuts. It was the coolest thing ever invented. It was like the most unbelievable way to, uh, in, you know, I mean, you take, you sit there and we have arguments as you watch games, and, you know, all the friends sit around who's smarter, who could build better teams, and here we had a chance to do it. And so that was the, you know, that was the key thing. I mean, and, you know, loving football and I think, you know, a couple of years into that league, I started creating a little newsletter for the league, you know, and I made fun of everyone's team and wrote little stories and kind of did that thing. And, you know, I think it was maybe three or four years in, I started thinking, you know, you started getting the thing where this is like 89, 90, 
you didn't know anything. I mean, when you got up, you set your lineup and you got up on Sunday and your guy's not playing, you have no idea why. You got an injury report on Wednesday in the USA Today and somebody's listed as probable and you, the next thing you know on Sunday, you're not playing. And so it started think, dawning on me, hey, this, this people want this information. They need like more information. And I kind of started having the kernel of an idea. And I think by 1993 uh, is when I started uh, saying, I'm going to put all this information together and see if I can sell it to guys like me. And uh, that's kind of how the whole thing started. Yeah, we've had a couple people kind of um, mention that, like writing the newsletter for their league or writing the page for their league. And yeah. it was something it was something that I never did. Well, like, can you give kind of a, a quick example of like what one of the posts would be? Oh, you know, we went really in depth. And I mean, I, you know, in... In the in '93, the year we I started doing it as a business, we advertised in USA Today, and I mean, calls are pouring in. We're getting all kinds of things, and one of the things we did, I wrote the newsletter, you know, had it printed. I was kind of a graphic designer, kind of had it printed and sent it out. Tried to get it in the mailbox by Wednesday, so it arrived. But we also did faxes, and uh, I had a computer and one phone line, and I had a kid in New York City. Uh, and radio and he would call all the teams and he would get me practice information from that day and so we would have oh so-and-so practice so so-and-so didn't practice joe montana's got a sore elbow can't practice today and i would update that fax and try to send it out and we had enough subscribers so that with my one phone line uh you know if the fax software of the time thinking 1993 there was no email yet you know it was just there was CompuServe. There were some things. And so I would start faxing it out, and I'm sitting there in a puddle of sweat waiting for the faxes to go out. Well, if one guy didn't get his fax on time and called, it blows up, and nobody is getting faxes anymore. And then everyone – we kind of went to that, but it was at – we would literally – and that, by the way, that guy in New York City, his name is was Steve Cohen, uh, at the time a producer at W Fantasy Sports and Sirius XM NFL Radio. So, and we would talk three or four times a day and I would just update those back days a week. That's crazy. I mean, what a, what a system, like one guy calls and the entire thing breaks down. Right. Right. One guy would call it. A, I mean, the heart attacks that I would have, you know, cause I mean, you look, look, you know, there's, there's a thing about this business that, you know, for me being in the information, you know, being the news side of it start out with, was kind of, you know, the way I wanted to, you know, be known. So, uh, or what I was trying to deliver. And I mean, you know, back in the days when you had a newspaper, you know, if you got up on Sunday morning, you walked out to your porch and there was no paper, you know, your first question wasn't, oh, I wonder what happened to the paper boy. You know, the first question was, hey, where's my paper? <laughs> that's all you cared about. So delivering was the critical thing, right? So that's all I ever thought. So it was great panic. And yes, it would destroy me. And, uh, and uh, it was a brutal season that first year because we had a lot of customers. And I, another thing I started doing uh, that next year, though, was fax broadcasting came into business. So it got to the point where, oh, I send one fax. It's 2,000 fax. It's as many faxes as I can do at one time. There's no limitation anymore. Things got much smoother. I started it. I brought in a 900 line to actually make some money at this. And what I would do is I would get on CompuServe on Sunday night. And I would read the box scores into a phone. Wow. And people would call that thing. And I mean, I lived on that for many years. 
Uh, because the only other way to get scores, you waited till Monday morning, USA Today came out, you would do your scoring and, you know, you do that again on Tuesday, but I would do it on the phone and it had a 900 number so people could do that. And that worked really well too. That was a, that was a pretty popular part of the service. And that was like 94, 95, there became this thing. One of my subscribers called and said, have you ever heard of the World Wide web? I went, what is this thing you speak of this? I don't know much about it. I have the copy of survey, but you know. No, this is a whole different thing. And as he explained it to me, it started coming into my mind. I literally remember I printed things and mailed things. I mean, there was an eight-page newsletter that, I mean, as a graphic designer kind of guy, I put a lot of work and effort into, and uh, we ran it to negatives on a high setter, and that went to the printer, and then it came back, and me and a bunch of guys sat there and stuffed them in envelopes and hoped they made it on time. And all of a sudden, here's this guy telling me, you can do that as many times as you want, for no money. I'm like, what? <laughs> Tell me more about this. So I got into the world, uh, uh, actually became a pretty, uh, a pretty uh, handy uh, designer early in the early going of those things. Uh, you know, my website got the top 5% of the web, which is a big deal at the time. And I can remember like newspapers calling me and saying, wow, you know, look at all this stuff. You must have a, like what, 50 guys working there, you know? And again, I'm sitting there in my underpants and a puddle of sweat going, why should I tell? Oh, we've got a big crew working away. Yes, all these things. And so it kind of, you know, the web kind of changed the whole, you know, the, the till everything started tilting in my favor. So the printing went by the wayside. You know, you could send out, um, I could say, if, if I had a million subscribers, it was as a, the, no different in the cost to send out the information than it was to send to one person. So it went pretty well. That, and that was kind of, and there was other guys getting into it then, you know, I mean, when I first started online, there was me. Jim Lenz at uh, Fantasy Insights, and there was uh, Sam Kaplan, who is Adam Kaplan's cousin. Adam Kaplan also worked for him over time. But, you know, then you started having your John Hansons, the guru, comes in, and other guys, KFFL, shortly thereafter. Uh, met this crazy guy. Uh, uh, this guy put up this site called Mr. Football, and it was this amazing thing with all these crazy tools and stuff. And so I started talking to this guy. And we ended up talking pretty much every day. His name was David Dodds. You might have heard of him. And uh, maybe once or twice. And we would talk code for days on end. I mean, and we would sit there and we would hack into porn sites because they were the only ones making money, right? And we would learn their code and try and make these little applications and all this stuff. And we would do it endlessly. It was like the uh, the greatest era ever, and uh, and we enjoyed it immensely. And you know. It was a, it was a quite a, quite a period. And on the other side, the football side, where I, I realized that fantasy owners were calling teams at a rate sufficient to irritate them out of them. And so I started calling teams who said, Oh, you do this. I said, yeah. So, I mean, they would have guys a thousand calls when Joe Montana's elbow is inflamed or whatever, you know, just people are dying for information. So I started getting in. I think there by one point by 96 or 97, I had, you know, over 20 teams that if you said the word fantasy, they would just give you my phone number. And I had 800 numbers. And I said, look, I'm going to give them their info. You give me the info. I'll help them out and try and sell them. They were fine. They just wanted to get rid of everybody. And so that kind of built on everything too. And then pretty soon, Local newspapers are getting the numbers from the media relations department because they're getting the same callers at their news desk saying, who practiced today? What happened? Could he run in a straight line? And so it kind of uh, kind of grew from there. 
I mean, that's, I don't even know where to start with that. That's incredible. Like just everything that you shared is so, well, you know, for one foreign from my experience uh, with, with fantasy, obviously being a child of the internet and uh, everything in the digital age. That's I mean, that's just incredible how, how much things like you talk about a, a niche industry, you know, now it's pretty main fantasy is pretty mainstream. Maybe five years ago, you'd say it's a super niche industry, but talk about back, you know, back when you're talking about that's, that's incredibly small and niche. Yeah, yes, it, it, it was, but it was, I mean, you know, there was a thing called the news groups, you know, the, the Usenet, the, the internet, and it was like the primordial sludge where all of us hung out and debated and hollered at each other. And it was a narrow band, but it was a pretty intense group of people with great opinions. And it was all the guys that you know from the past, the Dodds and the Joe Bryants and the Hansons and all the KFFL guys. And I mean, pretty much had Greg Kellogg and all these guys were in there and we would do these things endlessly. And you're right, it wasn't until, you know, like later in the 90s when the NFL started to realize, hey, these people pay. These people have money, and they'll, they'll, they, they watch all the games all the way to the end. And that's, that was the real tipping point was when the NFL itself kind of, you know, instead of saying, oh, this is the stupidest thing ever, it might be gambling, we don't know, they started to realize there were some studies came out about, you know, people, how much they spent and how much they watched. And, and that was kind of the turning point. Once the NFL started blowing the promotional wind into the whole thing, it was a whole different ballgame. Yeah, that's for sure. And you can see it now with like the Red Zone channel, you know, appealing to essentially fantasy players. I mean, everybody likes to see touchdowns and big plays and highlights, but yeah, right. You know, it's it's fantasy players that are the ones that need to see the you know who's scoring and jumping around from game to game. I mean, I know there right. you know, there are some people that have said they can't watch the Reds. You know, I know I was talking with Jeff Hefertiller, a football guy, last time I saw him in person in Vegas, and he was like, "I can't do the Red Zone Channel. You know, I got to watch a full game and blah 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 blah." And, but it's but it's so geared towards that that the mind of the fantasy player and the ADD way we all think now too, but. It's certainly something. And so, I mean, obviously you've seen a lot of waves uh, of change through the years, Bob, but what was kind of your first, what was, so you, now you're with football diehards essentially. And you, you know, even now this, you know, you, you do magazines as we were talking about before we started recording. And, you know, I, I was in the magazine with you this year and that almost seems like an antiquated way of doing things with the, with the internet. Yeah, but, it does. But how did you get hooked up into the, into the magazine game? Uh, I think it was, you know, in the early 90s when I was first getting into this, uh, my publisher now, my boss, Ian McCadlick, called and wanted me to advertise. And, of course, you know, wow, yeah, I want to advertise. And that just kind of morphed into me, ended up working for him. And over time, you know, web that maybe they didn't understand. And so I, we kind of brought the two things together. And I think, you know, one of the things, I mean, look, we all know what the limitations of a magazine are. It's a snapshot in time. We're not stupid. We know, you know, we know what the complaints are. Oh, it's outdated by the time you get it. Well, yes, it is. Uh, so we try to focus more on strategies and try and show people how the thought process works as much as anything. And then, you know, you give them free as part of the magazine, the web service, and then they get updated rankings every day. There's codes in the magazines that to build, you know, and I just like to think of the magazines as like a baseline where you build that baseline of information. If you're new to the game, if you're not new to the game, we try to have a wide enough variety of, of articles and we have some, you know, really smart guys writing. And that's one of these things I think that's, that's changed the most if I get off on a tangent here is how smart y'all are. You know, I got established, you know, when there was like three guys doing it established today, I'm not as smart as y'all. You guys are out there with your, you know, I mean, just coming up with all this great stuff. And I mean, you know, I keep up and I understand it. And I, you know, 
I can, you know, I can get along with all that. But back then, that was not the game, you know, and it just all the forward thinking. So we, you know, part of biggest part of my job now is keeping up with that and finding guys like you and the different people out there that are doing kind of more of this cutting edge thought on, on you know, dissecting the game and putting together strategies, uh, you know, and I've been doing that for a long time. I was the first one to publish Joe Bryant's value-based drafting article uh, back in 97, I think it was. Uh, started bringing in guys like Matt Waldman, uh, who you know well early on. And you just, you want to bring in the forward thinkers. And that gets to now, you know, you bring in guys like J.J. Zachariason, people like that, guys like Matt Harmon. And, you you know, you try and lay out for people and keep them up to date with the game. But you realize that's just the magazine hire component. And that's, uh, you know, a service throughout the preseason where, you know, you're providing a constant flow of news, you know, the whole thing. And that goes in through the season too. And so, I mean, it just, the, the whole thing builds on each other. So that's the thing about the magazines. If we were just a magazine, we would be due. I mean, you know, and no offense to everyone who out there who's just a magazine. Uh, but I mean, that's, you know, you're a snapshot. You're a, you're a moment caught in time. And if you can't build on that, it makes it hard to do it. And it's hard to maintain your credibility. And, that, and yeah, and that's what we're selling, right, Matt? I mean, you're selling credibility. You put into work. You know, we're, we're selling nice Eskimos. This is the smartest audience known to man. Right. I don't know of anyone out there who's dealing with an audience that's as sharp as ours. You're not, and, and the other thing about this audience, they all know, but we're not for some quirk of fate or whatever. They could do your job every bit as well as you can do your job. And the truth is they could. Because yeah. they put it, you know, it, that's, the, you know, that's the thing about this audience. That's one of the things I love about it. You know, you walk around through an event or something, and, you know, I've been, you know, working for Sirius. I've had the, the pleasure of uh, covering, like, fan duels championships the last few years and things like that. I mean, these guys are all, I mean, they are. They're, they're, they're high-end people, you know, the high-stakes players. And now it's even going down to, you know, everybody's league. I mean, people are drafting quarterbacks late in their local leagues. And, you know, there is no more such thing as a sleeper. I mean, we used to talk about right. sleepers was, you know, there hasn't been a sleeper for years. Everybody knows. There's values now. I mean, and so – <clears throat> that's part of it is, you know, is, is, you know, keeping the, keeping the audience, you know, where they need to be and where they want to be. And they are a smart bunch of people. And so that's a bit of an effort and it keeps all of us on our toes. I mean, again, you're not fooling anybody. You're going to get called out if you throw out some BS. And, and I like that about the business keeps you, keeps you pushing hard. Well, I love the point that you just made about, you know, anybody could do this, you know, somebody, you know, the people, the readers that feel confident enough to be like, well, if I was in a league with you guys, I could beat you. Of course you could. I mean, why, why not? You're, 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 you know, you're just as smart as we are. It's, it's not ancient. It's not ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics, you know, it's football. Uh, if you put the time and dedication into it, you're smart at it. Right. We all know what it takes. I mean, when you're in this business, this is not a forgiving business. There's a no. bunch of people out there that, that want to do this and try to do this. And uh, I've been doing it 23 years. I have seen as many go as I've seen come. And, and that's, you know, you have the, the effort required. I think that's the thing to do with the people that, that don't. But I mean, look, it's, I mean, it's a decision I made. I said, I'm going to do this. And I mean, if I make, uh, if I do this another 20 years, at some point I will break even, right? That's, you know, mm -hmm. this is, I mean, I've been successful at it. But I mean, it's, you know, it's a thing where you give up a lot. I know you give up a lot. We were both sitting here, uh, you know, on a Thursday night. We probably don't spend a lot of time going out during the season. I mean, when August 1st hits, I will work every day through February, the, through the Super Bowl, every single day, 
probably 18 hours a day, maybe more some days. And I mean, that's not a complaint. That's just what it takes to, to get along. I mean, you have to keep on top of this stuff. And that's the, you know, that's the thing that separates the people that do the business from the people who, who, you know, are pretty sure they could do the business. They could. It's just a matter of putting in the time and effort. And there, there are some sacrifices involved. Oh, absolutely. You mentioned the season coming and I've, I've felt it. My last year was obviously my first year covering the game full time. And uh, the, just the, the difference is almost unexplainable what it does, you know, what it does to your life. And, you know, again, like you said, not a complaint at all. It's just, this is the dream, but at the same time, it is, it is very different. And, you know, I can feel that coming again and it's very exciting, but also a little, like almost a little anxious too. You know, you get that like anxiety feeling of like, Oh man, right. Life is about to get turned up on, on its head when the season comes. And I think that, I think that a lot of people that follow us and, and read us know that maybe some others don't, but Bob, you mentioned you've seen a lot of people, come but also a lot of people go is it really just the, the mm-hmm. lack of ability to put the time in or maybe a maybe a desire or even just like life gets in the way is that really the big factor or is there other things that you've seen people go for i think it's the, part of it is the grind and part of it is the, look you, you know we say that anyone who's out there who plays you do know enough but i mean there there is some level of talent required you have to be entertaining. I talk about, you know, reading the stories in my youth, uh, you know, the strange but true football stories, you know, telling the story, being able to tell the story, being able to communicate your ideas in the written form or in an entertainment radio or doing podcasts is a big deal. And, and not everyone. And so that's part of it. But I think the biggest part of it is just, you know, surviving the grind. I mean, uh, during the, during the, I mean, I've worked every Christmas and Thanksgiving day for 23 years. I mean, that doesn't make you popular with the no. folks or the or the ladies. I mean, what, 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 during the season, how many days? Oh, God, like uh, <laughs> none, maybe one if I'm lucky. Right, because, I, right, cause, I mean, it's that's the thing. It goes back to the paper boy analogy. Where's my fucking paper? That, right. That's all anyone cares about at the end of the day. Nobody cares if you have your, your stick, your girl. There's a girl sitting on your couch with a – makeup running down her eyes you know wanting to talk my cat gets sick i gotta take him to the vet any of these things nobody cares they want their stuff and uh you know maybe why i'm still doing this after after this long is is i just have accepted that and and to hell with everything else because i look you have to love what you do and i you know i've gone through a life where i've done many things many of which i hated and then all of a sudden i found this thing that I love. It's about the thing I love. I love doing it. I love putting together the stories and the narratives and connecting those to the statistics that back them, making the arguments, understanding both sides of the argument well enough to make my own argument because, you know, that's one of the big things I'm big on. You know, the man who knows one side of the story knows neither. You have to know the whole big picture. I can't argue against you if I don't understand your point or I can't make your point. If I can't argue your side of it as good as you can, I can't argue my side of it. And so all these things require a lot of time, energy, effort, uh, you know, studying. And, and, and that's, I mean, I love that part. So for me, it's not like a hardship, but I think for some people it turns into that. Yeah, it, it definitely can be. And I think that some people, you know, they dive into it and then, you know, a couple of years later, they realize that this is not for them. And I'm sure some people even listening to this podcast that have tuned, you know, tuned in throughout the way that, that thought, you know, man, I, I want to do this. I want to dive in head first. And then maybe even just hearing people tell those stories are like, oh, actually, I don't know if I do because it really is not. It's not made for everybody. You know, you mentioned that. But 
Bob, I think one of the things that that is so funny about about what we're we're talking about right now, you know, the the sacrifices and everything. Um, we we still we still love it, like you mentioned. We love building the narratives. We love building the stories. But I, I kind of want to ask you a little bit of a, a little bit of a side question here, not so much about the industry, because I know you're an animal person, like I am. But but you're but you're a cat right. guy, and which is which is yes. totally cool with me, by the way. I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those. Uh, you know black or white or you know red or green like you know you can be a dog and a cat person i I appreciate cats for what they are as well but dig into dig into the the relationship with the cats that you have a little bit talk about that the cats are uh, delightful because uh, they require no effort on my part other than throwing out some food and uh and laying down in bed and they lay on top of me and it, it's just it's an easy thing except when you know they murder things that's always a little bit of difficult uh uh, the bringing in of gifts and whatnot. I was going mm-hmm. to invite you and Charlie by when you drove uh, on your cross-country trip, uh, but I have a very large cat, about 30 pounds, and it might have uh, uh, hors d'oeuvre or something. So uh, It's about I, twice his size. I so yeah. that. But I am. Uh, I enjoy cats. I enjoy having a critter around, using, they don't complaining uh, they contribute the dead bodies although i'm i'm a fan i like dogs too but uh they're a little more effort than i can put in well i guess you know it's certainly understandable i can certainly feel the uh the times especially as we mentioned during the season when it's like man am i really paying my dog enough attention you know right now like i got right. i got back i got back from work and you know, had to take him for a quick walk and then hop on this podcast with you. And it's, I know I can tell he's probably, he's looking at me from the other side of the room, like, dude, are you serious? <laughs> you know, and uh, d- dogs are a little bit more needy than cats, you know, cats. And this is why I like them. They have that personality that they'll just like, I don't care. You know, you know, mine are funny because they do have quite a bit of personality and they can, you know, there are moments when they seek attention. Uh, you know, and I both uh, have something in common and that, you know, we have great weight loss and part of our life has become working out. You know, there's a, it's a very regimented thing, but before I can start my morning workout, there is 10 minutes of chasing a cat up and down the hall or I don't get a workout. He is under my feet. He was on top of me. He is uh, crawling around and I, somebody will get crushed or injured. So, you know, there's that 10 minutes you got to spend every day. I'm all right with that. I can live with that. It's like a little warm up, get the, get the blood flowing. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the big part of it is I need the, I need the lower maintenance and I myself have to be low maintenance and, uh, so do the cats and so does, so does all the surroundings. I mean, over the years you learn how to set things up so you don't have, you don't, you, I mean, I don't go places because what if the car breaks or what if I get stuck at a store or whatever? I mean, I just, I do a lot of things or I don't do a lot of things. Uh, and I, you know, a lot of what I do is because of how the job works and, you know, you got to be here when. You know, when somebody something happens or somebody doesn't practice, you expect. I mean, right. you've got to be in a place and a time where you can deal with that during the season, and so you do a lot of things. Uh, uh, a dog, for me. Yeah, no, I mean that's understandable, and you know, it's like you're saying when when this is your job, you're really never off the clock. You know, you punch out. I mean, I I punch out at the end of the day. I punch in in, in the morning, but uh, I'm still on. You know, I'm on Twitter or I'm, I'm here researching things at home, yeah. getting ready for the next day or whatever. You know, you're constantly it's, it's a part of your life. And you talked about going on dates in the season right about right about the beginning of July, even the end of June. That's when I kind of start when I, when I kind of stop fielding offers, <laughs> because I know, like, listen, in about a month, this is going to have to be over anyways, or, or you're going to hate me. Trust me. It'll be well, this won't work. But. 
Right. And I think, you know, I mean, for me, I mean, you know, you go to bed, you work here, you, you get up. I mean, during the season, my day is pretty well set up at six in the morning. Uh, try to get to bed by two. But for those four hours I'm in bed, the phone is next to my head. And if somebody gets, you know, pulled over driving uh, impaired, whatever, I mean, you've just got, you know, so I, I don't know how soundly I sleep because you're always, you know, that phone goes off. You're always listening to it. So, uh, I mean, that's just part of the life. That's part of the, the part of what part of the deal. Uh, and, uh, one of the, I mean, I kind of love it and I kind of hate it, you know, it's been a long time. Uh, but I don't know if I would know how to do anything else. I don't know if I, I don't know what I would do without it. And the other horrifying thought is, and not horrifying for me, but horrifying for the world. What if I had to go get a job? What if they unleashed me on the world, uh, in a whole, I would be a miserable person. I mean, uh, you know, I, I haven't gone to work in 23 years. I get up and walk up the hallway as my commute. Uh, right. and I don't suffer fools easily and, you know, except for me and I'm the only one I have to suffer. So if I actually had to uh, go out the door and deal with people every day, nobody wants that. Yeah, no, for sure. And Bob, you mentioned one thing. I'm, I do, you mentioned the weight loss a couple of minutes ago, and I'm gonna I'm gonna right. circle back to that. But before we get there, one other thing I I wanted to ask you is obviously you know we talked about you being in the magazine, the newsletters, all that sort of stuff. But one of the things that you're really well known for now is working on Sirius XM Radio, uh, the Fantasy Sports Network, right? And uh, right. you know I've been on your show. You just had Alex Gellhar, my roommate, on your show last weekend. What's the what's the transition being like to going from, you know, kind of print and everything behind the screen, you know, behind the screen or even behind the pages for the magazine to being out there, the personality? Was that something that's always been inside you and is just waiting to be unleashed or is it something you have to develop? Um, it's it, it seems like it was kind of a natural thing. Uh, you know, once again, this goes back. I mean, there was a few years back, uh, early, early 2000s or so. I was providing content for football guys. Uh, David Dodds was doing a radio spot with a guy in Jacksonville named Mike Dempsey. David Dodds couldn't do it one day. They said, hey, Bob, would you step in and do this? Mike Dempsey and I hit it off. And it's kind of a natural thing for me. I was doing a lot of radio spots, you know, with local stations and stuff. But Mike, you know, set aside a little time on his show. and We started doing it every week. And then at some point, uh, that kid that I hired back in 93, Steve Cohen, was uh, putting together a show with Sirius called The uh, Run With MJD uh, with Maurice Jones-Drew. And they were thinking, we need a host in Jacksonville. So they were out listening to hosts in Jacksonville. And some of our shows were uh, archived on the radio station, you know. And uh, <laughs> what are you doing? You're doing radio. I just heard you. And so we started talking again and, and eventually that turned into a show. And it was something I felt like, you know, I, I think it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it immensely. Uh, I think, you know, maybe one of these years uh, when I get even more decrepit than I am now, I would like to do just radio maybe at some point. But uh, but I, I love doing it. And now that we're in the thing where, you know, the last what two or three years, it's been a daily thing, six days a week. You know, you just becomes part of the habit. You, you, you know, again, it's... Uh, I've spent an entire life at something. Uh, this is the best addiction I've ever had. Uh, this job and all the pieces that go with it that add to it. And the, uh, talking on the radio and learning all about that and how it works and how to you know, get better at it. I think I was miserable at it as first. I've gotten better over time or more comfortable. I don't know if better is the right word, but more comfortable. But yeah, it's something I really love. And I've done like a, last year we did a TV pilot uh, that people are still trying to sell, but that was a, that was a good time too. And, who knows, you know, at some point, uh, 
you know, all my buddies at your channel, you, uh, Michael Faviano, who I've known for years, Elliot Harrison, who I worked with uh, for a year on Sirius, uh, Adam Rank, all these guys that I love. Uh, maybe the television will open up wider too over time. Yeah, well, hey, I'm I'm right there hoping with you for that. So, uh, yep. so so we'll see what happens. But Bobby, you did of course mention the weight loss, and that's something that I've I've shared about uh, from my journey. But I want to dig into your perspective a little because after I published my article, you you privately messaged me and sent me some of the pictures of of the difference between you then and you now, and it is quite stark. So, what was the what was the inspiration behind that? Uh, there, I mean, uh, you know, I think, you know, you, you do this job and you think that it takes precedent over everything. And that would be including taking care of yourself. And, uh, and it did for a long time. I just, I would ignore everything. And, and back then it was a little different because, you know, I was designing the website, creating the code, uh, you know, writing the content, you know, all those things. And, you know, taking care of myself kind of took a back seat and, and it struck me, someone took a photo of me and uh, I think that was a photo I sent you on my 45th birthday. And uh, I think at the time, I don't have an exact weight, but it was well, it was over 400 pounds. I had a scale that went up to 375 and I maxed it out and, you know, so I, but I looked at that photo and, and as I looked in my eyes in that photo, it was my, you know, I said, I looked and I said, I'm already dead and just nobody's told me yet. I mean, I just, there was an unhappiness in my eyes, a, just a dullness. And it just really bothered me. And I just, and that was the thing. I just said, I've got to change this. I'm going to be my high school wrestling weight. And uh, nine years later, I was, <laughs> you know, but it just, and it, you know, it was a lot of learning. I'm sure you did the same thing. You learn over time and you build this just like anything else. I mean, and you get better at it. You know, I've just started out by limiting my calories and, you know, locking myself in a room for an hour, whether I could exercise for an hour or not. I said, that hour is for that. And I got on a treadmill. If I could walk for 20 minutes, you know, which was a stretch at first, uh, sure. I then sat my big ass down and sat in that gym and said, it's an hour, no matter what. And that's the thing over the time, you know, and I am now literally a, a Stone Temple pilot song. I'm half the man I used to be. Uh, you know, workouts and nutrition became my addiction and they're non-negotiable. And it turns out, amazing fact, that somebody told me this 15, 20 years ago, I'd be much further ahead. The, the being, feeling better, being in shape, being well-conditioned, taking care of yourself, eating the right things, you work better. Right. It's like you know, every workout. I work out twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening. It's like putting gas in the tank. It re-energizes you. It's not taking time away. It's adding time. Oh, I know. And it absolutely is, you know, whether it's your energy and all that. And I, 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 mentioned, I mentioned this and really wanted to talk about this with you, especially because you've been in the industry so long, that I feel like our job is incredibly sedentary. You know, you, you sit down in front of a computer, you hunch over and you, you right. type and all that, or you talk on podcasts or whatever. But, you know, I, I wear a Fitbit. I don't know if you have one, but like my steps in season crater you know like when i'm in the office yeah there you go you've got one too yeah and like my steps in season are just so much less because i'm in the office and i'm grinding for you know hours and hours and i come home and i'm grinding back here and you know you just don't have that time to like get out and and be active and i just think it's so it's so great that you experience that weight loss in the industry because i think it's possible 
you know, I think that's an important thing for not only fantasy writers to hear, but also fantasy users. It's, it's, look, I don't know if I would still be alive if I hadn't done that. And, and in, in addition, I think, you know, and, you know, one of the things that I've changed over time, I work standing up. I stand up. If I'm working 18 hours, I'm standing up 18 hours. When I'm doing the radio show, I'm standing on, you know, the, is the adjustable height that rolls all around my house. So while I'm cooking dinner, I've got work next to me. Whatever I'm doing, work is right there. And I think that's, you know, that's the, you know, the, the more I'm moving, the more on edge. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's always been my goal to do is, I mean, you know, during the season, I'm writing 50 to 60, 70 news updates a day, you know, blurbs. I'm trying to, you know, add something to those stories, you know, so maybe, you know, maybe, half or three quarters of those stories are two or 300 words. But, you know, as you get in the evening, you stretch those out and you add a little bit of, you know, more thought and, and strategy to them and, and talk more matchups and stuff. So you're writing all day. And so I found just standing up, I feel I, it leaves me an edge. And every time I hit that enter key to put a story in, I feel like I'm punching somebody in the nose, which makes me feel good. But that's the, you know, keeping energized. And the, the, I think, you know, making the workouts and nutrition non-negotiable. I mean, that's the thing that I have to stress is, I mean, everything in my life is negotiable to work, except those things have become, there's a time I do those. And I do, you know, I don't want to, you know, like advertise for anyone, but I do a, a lot of beach body programs, whether it's, you know, right now it's 22 minutes, hardcore. I do beast body and to lift in the afternoon. So, or max 30, they're all very short, 25, they're 25, 30 minutes at the most. And look, if somebody, you know, I have my iPad over there. I've got text coming in. If somebody gets shot or something silly happens, stop the workout and do it. But otherwise, you know, if it's Calvin Johnson, you know, I kind of look at that. Okay, 20 more minutes this workout. If my longest workout is right. 30 minutes, I can kind of get through it. And so I've just tried to make those things non-negotiable. And, and, you know, as long as I keep everything on schedule, everything can get done. And though, in, in realizing how important it is to, you know, to, and how much more work I get done when I feel good, that just kind of, you know, it all builds on itself. And you realize, look at all the stupid crap I did before thinking I was doing myself good when I was killing myself. Now I'm actually doing myself good and the work is better. I'm doing a better product. I think more clearly, I'm more focused, I'm sharper and I feel good. And I maybe won't keel over dead as I probably would have five years ago had I not done anything. Oh, 100%, Bob. And I'm, well, I'm, hey, I'm glad that you didn't do that. I'm glad that you made those changes, you know, and, and it's, it, 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 it is incredible just how much you can build on that momentum. And, you know, you're right. It's, it's finding something that fits within your schedule. But, Bob, I really appreciate uh, your time today. This has been a really fantastic conversation, kind of winding down here uh, just a little bit. Uh, one thing I've been asking people on the show lately, um, what's something that you see in the industry that you don't like or you wish you could change? You know, I, I mean, it's a two-edged sword, but I mean, it, it's the, you know, it's the way I, I look, I saw a lot of money and driving a lot of content and they have the money, right? But the money kind of, you, you kind of wonder if that's really, you know, great for the uh, industry, for the people playing. You see some of the problems that have come up with, you know, associated with daily. And I wonder if that's the greatest thing, but look, anything that people want to do and want to play, I mean, if, you know, daily grew quickly, too quickly. 
I think they'd be the first to admit that the powers that be there. And I think we all could say, look, a little transparency and regulation is a fine thing. And once they figure it all out and it kind of normalizes, I'll think, I think we'll be fine. But there just seemed to be that bump where daily, you know, people doing scripts and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. it kind of, you know, it just, you just, I don't know. I, I don't know how good I felt about that. Um, other than the fact that, Hey, I mean, they're advertising in my magazines, they're advertising on my shows. How bad did I really feel? So I was conflicted about that. Uh, and not so conflicted that I didn't take their money because we all did. And, and I mean, that's, you know, I I'll feel, I'm feeling better about it now that there seems to be some regulation and some transparency to it. And, and, uh, and, and I hope that that trend continues and we can all feel good about whatever kind of, whatever form of the game we're playing or involved with. No, I think I think that's a really good answer, and you know, you always wonder something that's such a community-based thing like fantasy football is, and especially those of us that are serious about it on Twitter. You know, you just wonder is something coming, something new coming in to harm the community? And I, I agree with you that I've had I had reservations about it as well, especially last year, but I feel I feel a lot better about it too. So it's good to just always keep your mind uh, open to possibilities and being wary of things that might be new, but. When they prove themselves, then you can then you can feel better about it. But so, Bob, this is the point of the show that some of the guests seem to kind of hate, but uh, I do this anyways because you know it's my damn show and I do what I want. But uh, Bob, anytime, right? You do, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I appreciate that. But so, anytime before we get out of here, I always give the guests one last shot at the floor uh, before before we get out of here. So to say whatever it is that's on your mind, you know, this, that, or the other. So, Bob. The floor is yours. Uh, the floor is mine. I Look, we lead a charmed life. Uh, I mean, it doesn't just dig, beat digging ditches. It beats pretty much anything I've ever run across. This, you know, we have a chance to interact with great people, great audiences. Uh, you know, you, the people you meet, the people in the industry. I mean, I think that's, you know, in early, on, early going, I mean, it was, it was such a narrow band of people. And it's funny how, you know, we've all worked together. John Hansen, I've mentioned a few times, uh, we were frenemies, competitors. We went, you know, hammer and tong at each other for how many years? And I think it was uh, 2014, 2013, uh, Sirius, you know, through the Sirius, we're at a FSTA convention, broadcasting a draft live, co-hosting with each other, sitting down. And I look at him and he looks at me. We realize, oh, I've designed websites for him. We don't know that. I've never met him in person until that day. And we're sitting there thinking, wow, here we are. We've gone from, you know, all this time to we're sitting here broadcasting a live draft on national radio. Look at where all this is coming. I think for me, that's kind of been the thing is the whole journey has been so amazing going from, you know, a handful of people, it seemed like to this huge, just, I mean, this community of awesome people and Twitter was a big part of that. You know, I don't, you know, I don't get into it as much. I, you know, I, I read it more than I, than I jump in and I love just following along all the personalities and, you know, and it's fun. I mean, this, just us sitting down here using this technology. I mean, you know, for how long have I just known you as Matt Harmon underscore VYB? I mean, that's, that's what you are. You're an avatar, but it's still, you know, there's this sense of, you know, people, you get to know them in a certain way over the over twitter and i just it's such a cool thing and there's so many personalities out there that i love and i would love to get to know in person more and maybe one day i will but this is the next best thing right i mean i'm sitting there in just this group of like-minded smart people who are out there driving you to do better because you have no choice because if you don't you're going to get left behind and look like an ass and i mean 
I'm right now I'm in the Scott fishbowl trying not to look like an ass, but I mean, there's all this whole community out there drafting together uh, and, you know, tweeting about it and all this stuff. I, to me, that's the fun of it right now. As you know, when I was younger, I don't know if I would have enjoyed it that much because you know, it's all more of a competitive thing. It's become more of a community, I think. And I like that. And I like being able to find, you know, use Twitter to find writers, to get them a little more spotlight, put them in front of more people if I can. It's just, it's turned into a pretty cool thing. And, uh, and I'm glad to be a part of it. I, I totally echo everything you just said. It is, it is cool how we feel like we know each other when we've never met. But Bob, I certainly hope that someday you and I do get to meet. But this has been uh, one hell of a good time here on the podcast. So you thank you so much again, Bob, for, uh, for coming on. You can follow all of Bob's work at Football Die Hard on Twitter, on SiriusXM. I hope to definitely get up there and, enjoy, and join you sometime soon on the radio again. But So thank you, Bob, for coming on. And for the listeners, thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of the Backyard Banter podcast. Uh, It's it's such a joy to be able to share these. We've only got a few more left in season one. But uh, for now, continue to listen, share the show, uh, and keep following along with all the guests. They they make this show great, tell good stories. I just kind of sit here and uh, let them them roll. But uh, thank you all so much for listening, and I hope you learned something today.